Welcome to Propel Culture, ladies and gentlemen. And today we are discussing the year of return as it was celebrated widely in Ghana and the world at large. And I'm glad to have in the seat a senior policy advisor, educator, and innovator, Dr. Ernest Opokubuaten. Sir, we are glad to have you here. My first question to you, sir Did you participate in the year of return activities? Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. I mean, uh, like I said, I was here in North America. I didn't uh, participate directly in Ghana in the uh, year of return activities, but I took uh, great interest in the work that was going on, in all the activities that went on. I uh, followed the events that were being undertaken. I followed the speeches. I followed all the government activities that were ruled out as part of this uh, year of return, uh, including the initial launch by the president in the U.S. I think it's, uh, it's uh, something that we all have to be very proud of. Oh, yeah. So to what extent do you think the year of return will contribute to cultural renaissance, social innovation, and environmental rejuvenation? I think it's uh, it's uh, something that we all have to be very proud of. It's marks 400 years of a uh, very uh, significant event that happened in our lives as uh, a people. And the fact that uh, people were willing to come in and share their perspectives and to uh, enjoy the the warmth and hospitality that Ghana had to offer, I think it was something that uh, we need that was we need to be proud of. And uh, the work that went into it, you made mention of the solid marketing that went into it. We need to uh, learn something from it. It goes to show that when you have a, a good package, when you have a good story to tell, its success would ultimately uh, you know, follow th- those kinds of activities. And uh, we, 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 we are... We need to continue with that particular aspect of it, solid marketing, a good story, and also good packaging. And uh, we, we would go places. Exactly. Do you think the ordinary Ghanaian was able to make an impact on those who came for the year of return festivities? I think this is a great, great opportunity. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the number of people who came to participate in the program. Uh, the last count, I understand, uh, we're looking at about 700,000 people coming to Ghana as a result of this particular event. That's a huge number. Uh, those people have come to experience the, the culture of the country. They've come to experience the food, the gastronomic uh, delights that uh, we in Ghana take for granted, but they've come to enjoy it. Uh, they've come to look at the cultural displays. I know there were so many cultural displays uh, in Cape Coast, Almina, in Kumasi, in Northern Region, and everywhere. And people were exposed to that rich cultural tapestry that makes arts unique as a people. And I think it also goes to show that if we are to build on this and expand our cultural repertoire to make sure that we continue to market the authentic Ghanaian culture in terms of our our clothing, in terms of our music, then, you know, that's, that's the lasting legacy that we can 
again from this particular initiative. So from a cultural perspective, I think it gave us a platform to showcase our rich culture. Uh, And just acknowledge that this is just the beginning of uh, what I believe would be a very in-depth, long-lasting relationship. Uh, And as it is with any initial foray into uh, building a relationship, you start with baby steps. And so uh, the marketing itself was uh, towards maybe, I would say, tourists. But you would also see that there were people in the diaspora who genuinely wanted to connect with their roots. And for those people, they immersed themselves in the cultural aspect of it. And they were uh, not participants, but real, real uh, people who were engaged in learning uh, about the culture, about the people. And the people who embraced them in the rural areas, in uh, beyond the Accra, were able to affect them say there was active participation, especially when you go out of the bubble of the uh, Accra uh, crowd. So I would say that uh, if you look at it from the initial perspective, you say that this is a good beginning. And so we're able to affect them. I think the seeds of future growth have, and future uh, deeper collaboration have already been sown. And so we need to uh, nurture it, make sure that in subsequent uh, visit and in subsequent interactions, uh, we we would get that benefit, that cross fertilization, where everybody, everybody, and I mean even ordinary people in our rural areas would get to be actively engaged in this uh, event. I think it's it's a start, it's a, and it's a good one. With Propel Culture, we are about gastronomic delight, and as you know, we as Ghanaians have a lot to offer. So what is your favorite Ghanaian dish? <laughs> well, I like uh, all food Ghanaian. Uh, I like banku and okro uh, stew. I like uh, fufu. Uh, I like the kinky with uh, shito and uh, fish. <laughs> but uh, I think chuzafi uh, too is not bad, you know. I know most people would be uh, hoping that I talk about uh, jollof, but that's something that's become uh, the, the, the the bone of contention between uh, other, between Ghana and other African countries. I don't want to go there. I want to go to where there is no context. Uh, oh, sure. There are elections coming up and politicians are turning in policy ideas that they believe will address the needs of the people. And one thing the people are asking for is policy innovation. So from your perspective, what is policy innovation? Oh, well, thank you. Uh, that's uh, that's a great question. The the idea is uh, we need to first of all understand what policy is about. You know, policy is basically about uh, whoever is in leadership or whoever has been entrusted with the uh, the challenge of leading a people or a business or coming up with a strategy that would address issues that are pertinent to the target group. So it could be in the form of a strategy, a legislation, an intervention. And uh, that's how we use uh, strategy to address issues, like I said, that are of pertinent uh, importance to uh, the people that we serve. Now, when we talk about uh, innovation, uh, I would say innovation is not new. Uh, Innovation is as old as human life, you know. 
And that's it's the ability to innovate, let me say, that differentiates us uh, as humans uh, from other creatures. And it's also that which has allowed uh, humanity to uh, continue to dominate the, the world. Uh, and uh, innovation is all about finding new ways, you know, to change things. And some people call it the creation of new value. Uh, it's, uh, so when you talk about policy innovation, it's about doing things differently. It's about uh, tackling issues in a different way, creating value and finding new ways to change things, change the uh, interventions that we generally apply to uh, the challenges that we face as a people or as a society. So I would say uh, policy innovation is about uh, shifting or shifting from the traditional approach to addressing pertinent issues to one that takes into account uh, new trends, new beginnings, new approaches, uh, and new uh, thinking. All right, and my next question is, so what will it take for Africans to use policy to address the issues that we face in terms of changing mindset, creating entrepreneurs and innovators for sustainable development? Well, there are many reasons. Uh, there are a lot of uh, reasons why policy innovation has become very, very critical. Uh, first of all, uh, we are facing very complex issues. The issues that we are facing as a people, as a society, are very complex. Uh, they are complex in the sense that they affect different categories of people. They affect uh, different uh, geographical areas. They are connected uh, and they are they cut across what we call portfolios. So they become what we, some people have called wicked problems. They are becoming wicked problems in, this, in terms of their complexity uh, uh, and uh, their effect. And they are also occurring at a very, very fast pace. So policy innovation has become very necessary because of the complexity of the challenges that we face. Uh, it is also because of the fast pace of change. Uh, so we are in a world where everything is moving so fast. The technologies that we are used to are changing so fast. Uh, the uh, ideas that uh, we are used to are no longer being applicable to the problems because of the fast pace of movement. So both the complexity and the pace of change all necessitate uh, us being able to uh, innovate as it were on our feet. The other thing is also the emergence of new uh, mega trends, such as big data. You know, uh, we have a lot of information that is being generated and gathered through so many means. Uh, social media is allowing people to post uh, information at uh, a very fast pace. So we're looking at so much information at our disposal. That big data offers significant opportunities for analytics to extrapolate information, to identify patterns. Uh, another thing is that uh, we have artificial intelligence that is also a machine learning that is allowing us to process information at a, a fast pace as well. Then you have the internet of things where things are connected to each other uh, and they are communicating uh, uh, amongst each other. And that also uh, you know, challenges the status quo. 
because now you have so much information, you are also dealing with inanimate uh, communication systems. And then also uh, the, the, the idea of uh, the shared economy where people are no longer desirous of uh, owning property and they are sharing uh, surplus products in order to make a, uh, a buck here. Uh, we're talking about the gig economy where people who have regular jobs also have jobs on the side. When you are faced with all these uh, changing circumstances and you still rely on existing uh, standards and processes and procedures, there's no way you're going to be able to uh, function. You know, so take the instance of, say, you, we know Uber. It's, Uber has taken hold in Ghana, for instance, right? So Uber operates on a different platform. It allows people who have regular jobs to also do this driving on the side. Now, how do you regulate that kind of business when it does not fall within the realm of traditional policy? You need to find ways to accommodate that. And that is why policy innovation uh, has become very, very uh, necessary. So the, the trends that we are witnessing all necessitate a shift in our thinking. Uh, we also have customers that have become very demanding. Uh, they are not just demanding products, but they are also demanding uh, products that meet their needs at the time they want uh, in a fast uh, with fast delivery, convenient, uh, that, that, that those are all challenges that traditional policymaking uh, may not be able to address unless we change. How can we inculcate cultural values and principles in young people to support development? Well, first of all, we need to be proud of who we are as a people. And uh, we need to get into the mindset that we are capable of, as Africans, as uh, Ghana's uh, first president said, uh, and to believe in ourselves and our ability to address our own issues. Once we get that self-belief, I think we have the resources at our disposal to effect the change that we want. So we need to let the young people have self-belief. We need to be proud of our language. We need to be proud of our heritage. And we need to do that uh, through our school systems where we have uh, an educational system that is also informed by our own cultural values. And uh, once we are able to do that, people would come to understand and appreciate that we had uh, a system that allowed us to overcome challenges, to deliver the, uh, uh, the, 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 the things that people needed as citizens. There is a popular Ghanaian saying that Amamre Yantonchene, which denotes that it is not prudent on our part to do our way with our culture. Therefore, I would like to know what are some of the cultural values and principles that informs your approach to life and work? Uh, Arena, Ghana, we emphasize good name. So you need to make sure that you're, you're trustworthy, people have faith in you. Uh, you make sure that people can trust the words that you speak and uh, you leave a good name by working hard and making sure that people uh, benefit from the knowledge that you, or the, the uh, skills that you have instead of being driven so much so by uh, the money that I can get. Another thing is about uh, respecting people's 
uh, other people's perspective. As we've always been saying in the Ghanaian context, uh, two heads are better than one. Uh, wisdom does not reside in just one person's mind. Uh, the story of Anazu would always tell you that you cannot gather all the knowledge in the world and put it in a pot. It doesn't work that way. All of us have significant ideas that we can share. So once you have that uh, mindset that it's a cross-fertilization of ideas, that bringing people together and sharing ideas would, would enrich your own ideas and move the whole uh, community forward, then wherever you find yourself, then uh, you'll be able to thrive. The point is we are moving from uh, an individualistic approach to a more collaborative approach where people bring ideas from different parts of the world. And so your ability to synthesize, to accept different perspectives and bring them together to uh, forge a, a unified uh, approach, that's something that we need to uh, harness. And that's something that comes from our culture, that, uh, a culture that respects other people's perspective. All right. uh, we also talk about hard work, you know, this, the, uh, culturally we, we emphasize hard work and uh, that hard work pace. And I think there are so many other significant cultural values that uh, inform our work and it helps us wherever we find ourselves. In this era of rapid technological change and complex socioeconomic challenges, what is your advice to young and upcoming entrepreneurs and individuals? you cannot stop learning. So as a young person, make knowledge acquisition part and parcel of your life. You need to keep learning. And there's so many ways of learning. In this age of technology, you can do online courses. You can talk to peers. You can talk, take courses that are free. You can uh, go back to the classroom. You can learn on the social media. You can learn everything on YouTube. You can learn uh, from interacting with other people from around the world. Now the world is such a small place because of technology. But the basic thing is let's continue learning. That's the first. The second thing is believe in yourself. Believe in yourself in the sense that you can make it. You have what it takes to achieve success. Your brain is uh, a powerful tool that can bring solutions. Uh, the other thing is don't be so focused on getting rich so quickly. There are, the wealth has different dimensions, you know, wealth of knowledge, wealth of, uh, you know, social networks. Let's nurture the, uh, the people, the, the networks that we have, the, the families that uh, surround us, the society. Let's, let's nurture that kind of relationship as young people. The other thing is to look out for opportunities. I don't ever, you cannot become so dependent on government for uh, the government to provide us with everything that we need. We need to be looking for entrepreneurial opportunities. Uh, let us uh, go back to some of the vocations that some young people nowadays look down upon, you know, in terms of agriculture, uh, those uh, activities that we would consider the menial, these are all jobs that we can do to you know keep our communities moving, and also don't us uh, let's settle for uh, you know today people don't go in for jobs they they go in 
to uh, do career and to also make a difference. And I think we should, as young people, think about uh, making a difference. We need to make a difference in the lives of the people that we encounter, make a difference uh, for the communities that we're living. So instead of criticizing and, uh, you know, chastising uh, leaders every now and then, uh, we should also be looking at uh, coming up with solutions. And those solutions can then be brought forward to uh, leaders uh, to find a way to solve the uh, the challenges that we face. So as young people, I think we need to uh, be very cognizant of the power that we yield, uh, we wield and the, 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 the capacity that we have to effect change. All right, sir. A lot of innovation hubs have emerged this last decade. How can we ensure that they address issues that are pertinent to society? And the innovation hubs that we have in Ghana are doing a wonderful job. Uh, they are unleashing talent. They are identifying uh, areas of opportunity. They are giving young people a reason to believe. They are fashioning out new businesses that are finding alternatives, uh, finding solutions. Uh, they are creating uh, new markets. Uh, they are also challenging existing rules and necessitating changes in government approaches. So they are doing a, a lot of good. And if you look at the last few uh, years and even last few months, the fact that you have some of the tech titans uh, uh, like uh, Jack Ma of Alibaba fame, you have all these uh, uh, technology uh, giants coming to Ghana. Of uh, Google's African uh, AI center there in Ghana, it goes to show you that everybody uh, it's taking notice of the good work that our innovation hubs uh, undertaken. But as it always is, there's always room for improvement. And I think one thing that we need to look at is how do we democratize the whole innovation process to make sure that it doesn't is not hijacked. Uh, by elites in, in the society and by so doing, you know, aggravate the already significant gap that exists between the haves and the have-nots, the urban dwellers and the rural folks and those on Wall Street, as I may say, and those on the main street. So much as the work that is being done is great, we need to uh, democratize it a bit. We need to go okay. outside our comfort zone, make sure that we go to uh, rural areas uh, because there's so much talent, but most of these people are not aware of what is going on. So we need to go out there and uh, look at those issues. The second thing is we need to also move uh, beyond just entrepreneurship, you know, uh, helping people with business plans and all that. We need to also unleash that inventive and innovative spirit that exists. Uh, we need to start going also to uh, position some of the alumni and the companies that have been nurtured by our innovation hubs. We need to make sure that we put them on the global pedestal. So we need to be ambitious now to look at the global uh, globally positioning the, the talent that we have. We cannot just be content with addressing uh, local problems. We need to make sure that the innovations that come of, uh, out of our uh, innovation hubs 
make it to the global level. And that requires a different set of support that we need to provide to these people. Now, talking about think tanks, I think uh, uh, think tanks need to get out of the uh, ivory tower. Uh, They need to get ahead of the curve rather than uh, looking at government challenges or government policies and criticizing those policies. We should be forecasting, we should be forward-looking, identify trends. So currently there are so many changing trends, mega trends I would call it. These these will all pose challenges to existing systems. Uh, These also offer opportunities. It's up to uh, think tanks to be able to look forward to these trends and anticipate what kind of policy or regulatory initiatives would be needed to both harness the opportunities and address the risks that are associated. Okay, so the follow-up question, how can these innovation hubs help people actualize their dreams when they enroll in such programs? You, you hit on a very uh, good uh, point there in terms of sustaining uh, innovation. And I think uh, this requires a lot of additional support that goes beyond just uh, helping people scale. Uh, the post-commercialization phase of innovation is also very critical. We need to provide those that graduate to our alumni of the various innovation hubs. We need to provide them with ongoing support. We need to make their uh, long-term success a key part of the initiatives that are rolled out by these innovation hubs, that uh, they become a performance metric, that uh, the the long-term sustainability of the people that pass through this these uh, innovation apps will become a performance metric. The other thing is to uh, also continuously identify the talent that exists. Uh, so continue to re-innovate, as I were. So uh, the fact that there was uh, an innovative product or a business that resulted from a previous call or intervention and is succeeding, if it is scaling up, you need to be always keeping an eye to make sure that those uh, success stories continuously re-innovate, that they do not remain static, that even with success. So occasionally we may want to bring them back uh, to share the lessons that they've learned and to offer new insights uh, for their continued uh, development. And I think uh, we also need to offer practical uh, solutions or try to make sure that the um, issues that are addressed are very pertinent to the uh, community that we live in. And once it has community relevance, those solutions will become enduring. Uh, and then we need to get uh, government involved. Now, there is one thing that I've observed, and that is local ownership of the innovation agenda. Currently, if you look at the innovation that's ongoing, most of the innovation hubs are being driven by maybe international or uh, philanthropists and international organizations and even foreign countries. I would love to see uh, local indigenous involvement and support for the innovation uh, agenda because by so doing, we can set the uh, an agenda that speaks specifically to a needs and that also responds uh, adequately to the challenges that we face. So I think uh, we need to indigenize 
the innovation uh, ecosystem. And that's something that uh, requires governments as well as individual uh, Ghanaian support. Yes, sir. We are very grateful to have you come on board and we thank you for this meaningful conversation. And to our audience, we are always delighted to have you here. We look forward to bring you more interesting and engaging topics. Stay connected. This is Propel Culture with Gilbert.